crystals. Your healing crystals all over this house, man. <laughs> hey, Russell. Hey, Sean. Before we get started, should we tell everybody that we just recorded an episode and then realized the camera wasn't recording? <laughs> That's a funny joke. Wouldn't it be funny if that happened? That would be, I mean, we'd be pretty amateur hour. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, speaking of something different entirely. Wait, hold on. Should we introduce the show? No. Okay. Uh, if anybody wants to intern as our production assistant and come live in a shoebox in North Alabama for very little to no money, reach out to Russell Berger. More on, on the no side than the very little side. Oh, see, we need somebody for that. We need somebody for that too. Hey, I'm Sean. I'm Russell. This is the Defend and Confirm podcast. Nice. Nailed it. Uh, we do apologetic stuff. Yeah. We uh, talk about theology. Yeah. We talk about the church. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about knowledge. Yeah. Epistemology. Epistemology, which is a philosophical term. It's the branch of philosophy that deals with knowledge. It's so fancy. It is fancy. But here's the funny thing about epistemology is that as academic as that sounds, we all have an epistemology. That's right. Everybody does. Yeah. And... The, the epistemological question is, how do you know what you think you know? Yeah. How can you know things? Well, allow me to do what I do. Okay. Okay. I'm a preacher. Every sermon's got to have a good introduction. Okay. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Let me give this introduction. Armando, probably watching this, Herrera, guy from my gym, watches the podcast. I know Armando. Yes, you do. Hey, buddy. Why aren't like you deja- training with us anymore? It feels like deja vu. It does. Yeah. Armando and I are having a conversation about the podcast, and he begins the conversation by saying, you guys seem really confident. Now, Armando's not a Christian. Not a Christian. Okay. You guys seem really confident. How can you be so confident that what you know is true? So we seem like we really believe this whole Christianity thing. That's right. And that's probably kind of confusing for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, well, I don't think he would think it was confusing. No, I, yeah. I don't mean confusing in the sense that he's confused by it, but in the sense that he doesn't understand what our foundation is yeah. that leads us to believe the things we do in the way that we do. Yeah. And that is a question of epistemology. Yeah. How can we know what we claim to know? Yeah. And with what certainty can we know these things? Yeah. So I already said everybody has an epistemology. If you if you hold most most of the beliefs you hold... Uh, if you start to peel back the layer of why you believe that thing that you believe, like an onion, like an onion below that, you're going to find another belief. Yeah. A supporting belief. So, uh, the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Good example. How do I know that? I would say the sun is going to rise tomorrow because it has always risen in the morning. Okay. So I trust my sense experience and in combination with my logic. Yeah. And and you have a belief below that. Okay. That, well, it, it, it's always risen in the morning. Right. Well, why do you believe that it's always risen in the morning? Well, because I have a lot of memories of it rising in the morning. Yeah, so I trust my memory. Trust my memory. And yeah. below that, we have this trust that nature is uniform. Yeah. And that things are just going to keep on going the way they always have. Yeah. With consistency. Yeah. And so you see that this simple belief, this belief everybody holds, yeah. the sun's coming up tomorrow, is actually built on a bunch of other beliefs. Yeah. And if you keep going down low enough, you're going to hit a foundation. A bedrock. You're going to hit epistemic bedrock. And that bedrock is different for different people. Okay. Um, That bedrock is the belief that all other beliefs rest on. You can't go any deeper. Right. Um, I would wager that for a guy like Armando, for an atheist, for somebody who doesn't believe in God or in Christianity, 
their foundation is yeah. going to be probably one of like three different things. Number, Number one, one, human reason. Okay. So the autonomous powers of my reasoning, my faculties of reasoning, my ability to use logic and to rationally come to conclusions about the world around me. That we could say in, you know, fancy philosophical categories would be like rationalism. Yeah. Think of guys like Descartes who yeah. championed this view. That belief makes my reasoning the foundation for how I can know everything else. Yeah. So if I ask enough, well, how do you know? Well, how do you know? Well, how do you know? Eventually that bedrock is my reason because I reasoned it yeah. and I trust my reasoning. Yeah. Stop there. That's right. Uh, there's other ways. That okay. we see this happen in the way people think in our world. Uh, our number two. Number two, our sense experience. Okay. So people will frequently trust so much in what they see, what they touch, what they hear, uh, that that becomes their ultimate foundation. And if you've interacted with atheists, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard the old, I'm not going to believe Jesus rose from the dead unless I see the video evidence. Yeah. That's an appeal to sense experience, yeah. to seeing with my own eyes. Yeah. Um, and that, for many, becomes a foundation. Fancy philosophical term here, we would probably call that empiricism. Okay. Uh, we think of guys like David Hume or John Locke who yeah. championed that view of knowledge. Yeah. And then there's a third. Which? You have a name for. I have a name for. Instinctualism? Instinctualism. I think this is more common today. Okay. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, this is sort of the postmodern view of truth kind of played out in it epistemological terms okay uh that's a mouthful that's a thanks tobias yeah <laughs> uh so we have people in our world today who believe things not because necessarily it follows strictly the rules of their rationality or because they've seen it and smelled it yeah. and tasted it and have yeah. the sense experience of it they just feel like it's right yeah their instincts their intuition their deeply rooted feelings about how things should be becomes their ultimate standard that's right. And and we have to recognize that these three things don't ever really exist completely independent of the others. Right. Yeah, these are these are human made models and categories for thinking about how people think. Yeah. There it's a lot messier in reality. Yeah. There's overlap. Yeah. I would say people who have reason as their ultimate bedrock foundation are probably closest to being purists along these lines, right? They have deduced their way away from trusting their emotions away from trusting their instincts but even then on some level they still they still do operate with these things kind of running in the background yeah i think that's yeah. right now here's where we're going to shift gears okay because the christian does not have any of those foundations should not does not have should not have the I'll ultimate the ultimate bedrock when we get down 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 that's not what's at the bottom for us. Shouldn't be. Okay. I keep saying should. Right. And because we'll there are Christians that do this, I think, wrong. And we're yeah. going to come back to that. Okay. But the Christian view of knowledge. And we're knowledge, better than them. <laughs> that's, that's right. Okay. I make sure that everybody knows yes. that. Yes. The Christian view of knowledge. Our ultimate authority is who? God. Good answer. Thanks. You're Nailed a pastor, it. so I'm glad you got that one right. <laughs> and so our ultimate authority being God, that standard by which we judge what is true and what is false yeah is god's revelation to us yeah so the atheist who trusts in his reason his reason becomes the arbiter of truth i'm going to believe it if it comports with how i reason the atheist says the only way i can know something is if i reason my way to that truth right and if okay. he rejects something yeah. it's because he reasoned that it was worth rejecting okay the christian 
says the only way that I can know something is true is if the God who is truth himself reveals it. That's right. From the tiniest little bit of information about nature to the deepest philosophical, spiritual, existential questions we can ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so two important things to hear here. Number one. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Sorry. Everyone has a foundation for their knowledge. Everyone has an epistemic foundation that is their ultimate authority. Number two. Yeah. The Christians is God's revelation. Okay. Here's what I'm not saying. Okay. I'm not saying the Christian doesn't use reason, doesn't yeah. use logic, doesn't rely on empirical evidence. Yeah. All of those things are gifts from God. Yeah. All of those things are to be used by Christians, but we subordinate those under God's word, okay. under his revelation. Yeah. Um, and we actually see everybody does this. You, you see how ultimate authorities work when your ultimate authority collides with some other way of knowing. Okay. And you've got to take a choice between them. For example. Okay, so let's say you have someone who believes that his reasoning is ultimate. And he sees something. He has, he has an experience of the senses that he just can't wrap his head around. Would a magic trick work for this? Sure. Sure. Magic. Um, he sees a magic trick. He reasons that what I just saw is not possible. So he has sense experience colliding with his faculties of reason yeah and he's got to make a choice well he's always going to choose the higher authority and so for him that's going to be you know what i guess it was a magic trick a trick of the eyes maybe it was a hallucination but i can't trust my senses in this experience i'm going to have to trust my logic okay you see the same thing the other way around uh somebody who trusts their senses ultimately may see something and may say look i don't know what i saw i don't know how to explain what i saw i can't reason it but I will say this, it happened. And I'm going to trust that it happened. And I, I didn't hallucinate because I know my eyes were working right. I trust my mm -hmm. senses. Uh, maybe it happened more than once. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to set my understanding of it, my reasoning of that situation aside and trust that it happened. Yeah. Um, we see this with the Christian as well. Okay. So the Christian's foundation as scripture often will collide with what we know to be true in our hearts or what we think about reality. Yeah. And when God says, no, this is actually what's true. Yeah. The Christian has to come to grips with that and should submit to God's word. Even if his own reasoning, even if his own intuitions, his feelings, his experiences yeah. are in conflict, um, which is why it's so important for us to understand what God says about humanity, okay. which is that we're fallible. Okay. Our minds are fallible. Okay. Our experiences are fallible. And so we have to trust him. Yeah. So everybody has a foundation, yeah. an, a, an epistemic authority, and everybody's authority will show itself ultimately when you start to have contradictions and collisions between ways of knowing things. That's good. Now, we got a little time here. Yeah, we do. So let's break this down. Why does this matter? Well, because all of life is really a collision of different kinds of ways of viewing the world. Uh, everything that happens in the political arena, in our private lives, it's my version of what I think is true versus your version of what you think is true. So how we get to truth or what we claim truth to be, what we think the truth is, it really matters. It absolutely does. Yeah. I think another way that it's important to kind of think about this is we go back to your, your introduction. Yeah. I'm talking to someone who doesn't understand how we can have certainty, doesn't understand how we can believe what we believe and know what we know. Every single one of us starts by assuming an epistemic foundation. So in, in the world today, like if I go and talk to an unbeliever, 
the the assumption is is that I have to set aside my Christian foundation. Yeah. And I have to step into your world where we just use reason and we just use sensory experience or whatever it may be as evidence. And then I'm going to debate you on your terms yeah. and use your understanding of knowledge to arrive at Christian truth. You have to adopt a non-Christian epistemology in order to participate in the conversation. That's right. Okay. And so what I want to point out is that everybody assumes an epistemology yeah. and there's no good reason why I should set aside my Christian epistemology yeah. in order to interact with you and your unbelieving epistemology. Okay. Like, why don't you set yours aside? Yeah. So I mean, that's a legitimate question. Yeah. Now we say that the reason we don't want to do that is ultimately because it's dishonoring to God. Yeah. Let me set, let me set you up for a softball. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Why should the atheist or yeah, maybe he's not an atheist. Maybe he's just a rationalist. Sure. Maybe he's a theist, whatever. Maybe he Why doesn't sh- know what he is. Maybe. Why should the rationalist not trust in his reason, ultimately? Not not a little bit. Why shouldn't he place his ultimate confidence in his reason? Well, first off, we want to. I want to be clear that reasoning is a gift from God. Right. So we're all using reasoning. Right now. But his reasoning has become elevated to the highest position of authority in his knowledge. You said foundation. That's low. Now you're going high. I'm inverting my analogies. Okay. Okay. So his foundation, his base is his reasoning. Whereas the Christian uses reasoning underneath God's authority or under the authority of God's word. Yeah. So. Wait, under? Oh, you're killing me. Oh, these prepositions are getting out of control. Is it a pyramid or is it a glacier? (laughs) Is it an iceberg? What's the image here? Oh, man. Okay, let's stick with foundations. Okay. So God's word is our foundation. Yeah. We reason, but our reasoning is subordinate to God's word. That's right. Uh, The atheist has made his reasoning the ultimate foundation. That's right. And here's what I want to tell anybody, atheist or otherwise, who makes their reasoning, their sense experience, or anything other than God's revelation, his ultimate or her ultimate foundation for truth. Yeah. If you build your understanding of reality on a foundation other than God and what he's revealed, you are building on sand. And every belief that you have will ultimately contradict that foundation, will contradict your assumptions about reality, and it'll eventually lead to absurdity. Yeah. What I'm saying is there's no way to consistently reject God, who is the embodiment of truth, the author of truth, who in his nature gives us the grounding for all logical reasoning, for all science, for all moral truth and knowledge. You can't reject him and then claim to have those things without running into serious problems in your reasoning and self-contradiction. What is let's let's practice what we're preaching. Let's okay. practice our Christian epist- epistemology. Let's not set God's word and His revelation aside as we're right. having this conversation. From God's word, why should the rationalist not trust His reason ultimately? What does God have to say about our understanding? So, God says uh, in Proverbs one eight, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Right. So, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, I don't think that's I don't think that's like metaphorical language. Yeah. I think what God is saying there is that to recognize God as God and man as man, to recognize the creator and author of reality for who he is, and then to understand the world through that lens is the beginning of how you actually know things. Okay. And if you reject him from your foundation, you're not ever really going to know anything clearly. Yeah. So you have, if you have a bad starting point, everything that comes after that is going to be messed up too. 
Uh, second, I would say look at Romans 1, which okay. we've talked about previously. We're probably going to keep talking about I'm it. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that every person on earth has a knowledge of God yeah. thanks to God's general revelation in, in the world. Yeah. So the person who knows God exists and suppresses that truth in unrighteousness is led to darkened and futile thinking, Scripture okay. tells us. So they have their reason. Yep. They're using it. God-given. God-given. Yeah. But it's broken. It's broken. It doesn't work the way it, it was intended to work. Another way of saying this is that sin affects the way our minds work. Yeah. The we can't trust ultimately in ourselves because we have a tendency in our sin to corrupt our thinking, to to go down darkened routes of thinking that don't yeah. lead to truth. Yeah. It's kind of like grading your own homework. Right, the atheist is grading his own homework. He's taking, oh, I'm going to take what I know about the world, and I'm going to decide for myself what's true, and what's not true, rather than letting the Creator, who made logic, who made reasoning, who made me, mm -hmm. be the one who determines what's true and what's not true. Did you just think of that illustration just now? I've used it before. Oh man, if you would have thought of that just now, you would have been the man. Ah, sorry to disappoint. All right. Um, you know, we see Paul in scripture telling us to take every thought captive to Christ. Yeah. You know, we want to be people who revere God, even in the way we think about the simplest things. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I want to stress that that doesn't mean we don't use reasoning and logic and yeah. science and empirical tools to understand more about creation and yeah. more about the world, but we will never make those things in our own strength autonomously. We will never make them ultimate. That's right. I because mean, we're always going to be putting God's word and God's revelation as the foundation. Yeah. That's good, man. I think so, you got a book for us to read. I think now is probably a good time to stop this episode. Yeah. Hey, then... hey, though, let's let's talk about what we're going to say next time. OK. Uh, I think we need to cover a couple things. So I made a really bold claim. OK. Which was that if you build your knowledge of reality, your worldview, we could say on a foundation other than what God has revealed, yeah. it's going to collapse into absurdity. Yeah, That's a big claim. That's a big claim. And I want to walk through that. So next episode, we're going to basically take apart the unbelieving worldview and show that how at every turn yeah. it collapses in on itself and ultimately proves that what Romans 1 says about the unbeliever is true, that he or she already knows God exists yeah. and will display that knowledge unintentionally by even trying to argue against God ex God's existence. So I, I want to yeah. break that down. This is an amazing cliffhanger. It We're is. getting pretty good at this podcast mm. thing. Not good at pressing record. Nope. But when it comes to other things, <laughs> hey, Jonathan Edwards is not the author of this book, but he did write a book called The the in, The Purpose, The End for Which God Created the World. Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic book. He actually begins, this guy who was a pastor, a theologian, a devout Christian, he begins his book, with a section on logic. Interesting. Very interesting. And we would say logic is related to God in what way? We'll talk about that in the next episode. Okay. But he gives us a logical foundation to help us interpret scripture. That's also something we could maybe talk about. But he does a phenomenal job in that book. But you know what? He writes like an old guy from the 17th century? 16th? 1700s. 1700s. I always get that stuff mixed up. <laughs> this guy named Ben Stevens, who was born in the... 20th century century he uh he took it he read it he digested it and then he put it into more understandable english that's helpful it's really good edwards's section on logic is phenomenal but his treatment of the scripture is even better and ben stevens took it and gave it to us in the message version <laughs> it's very good 
Very good. I would recommend it. Is highly. that an endorsement of the message? That is a tacit <laughs> endorsement, I guess. It's not okay with the Bible. It is okay with Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, hey, uh, some of the best writings in Christian literature that are non-biblical yeah. uh, came from guys who lived at a time when uh, writing was a little different. Yeah. And the English language was a little different. And the what language? The English language. Okay. Did I say something you weird? You said it funny. I probably did. All right. Uh, and it makes it tough to read. So uh, Jonathan Edwards is hard to read. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, hey. Most of the Puritans were. Yeah, they were. So John having, Owen made it a point. It was like a point of pride in his ministry to make mm-hmm. writing difficult. So uh, it's like they were trying to hide all of their little treasures yeah, from right. modern ears. Um, but yeah, so having somebody kind of lay that stuff out in a more digestible way, super really helpful. Really helpful. Uh, if you can count how many times I have sniffled into the microphone during this episode, I will send you a free copy of this book. Signing uh, off from Huntsville, Alabama, I'm Russell Berger. I'm Sean DeMars. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter. What are you making a face at me for? Well, because I ended it. It was oh, done. I forgot to say. Okay. Instagram. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. iTunes. Yeah. Podbean. Podbean, which is really just a gateway to iTunes. <laughs> Sorry, Bob Bean. (laughs) Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys.